This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Lewis Asbury. Lewis is the head of real estate for Diamonds Direct. He's a peer in the industry, but he's become a friend. I'm excited for him to be here. Welcome to the show, Lewis. Thank you, Chris. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Um, doing great. I wish there. I wish I was eating. Uh, I had. I was able to frequent omakase restaurants a little bit more, but other than that, uh, for those who don't know, Lewis and I. Uh, Eight omakase at the New York ICSC uh, during the New York ICSC event. It was pretty cool. So yeah, I hope that becomes our annual tradition, Chris. For sure, that <laughs> spot's good. Yeah. Uh, so Lewis, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, buddy. Um, Lewis Asbury. I'm the vice president of real estate for Diamonds Direct. I've been with the company now for. Uh, seven and a half years so um it's been a real fun ride and uh excited to see where everything goes from here i think we have a lot of runway uh, ahead of us still so um i'm also going on my second year as the chair for the carolinas uh for icsc so you and i share and commiserate um our efforts on the volunteer front with ICSC as well for sure uh so let's let's back up what'd you do before diamonds direct so before diamonds um i guess we'll kind of go chronologically i got my start uh, in real estate out of school as a commercial real estate broker i started in january of 2008 so it was the right time and the wrong time on so many levels. Um, the right time because, you know, kind of had to bootstrap it and learn a lot of hard lessons quickly. Um, I think that that gave me some grit and perseverance that I think is an innate quality you have to have in this industry. Um, so yeah, started out doing that least uh, shopping centers and uh, rep some tenants along the way and uh, was a broker for uh, eight years and then went to the corporate side. I had a three-year stint with Save-A-Lot Food Stores uh, doing their development in the Southeast. Um, at the time, they were uh, pretty ramped up on new store development and uh, it was a great experience. It was a phenomenal real estate team and they had a great um, just development model worked really well. Um, but unfortunately, things kind of took a turn with them. They actually stopped their corporate store development after I left and got out of that business altogether. But um, luckily for me, I got connected with a recruiter who introduced me to this job with Diamonds Direct, um, and I jumped all over it. You know, Diamonds Direct is headquartered here in Charlotte. I'm from Charlotte, and it was. Uh, just a wonderful opportunity. So I, I think a lot's in the name, but what is Diamonds Direct for those who don't know? Yeah, um, hopefully more people will know. Um, we're growing pretty rapidly relative to the size of our company, which is real exciting. But 
Um, you know, I would categorize us as a bit of a innovator disruptor to the uh, jewelry business. We operate kind of a mega store format. We're big stores, 6,000 square feet. And we typically only do one or two in a, in a given metro. So uh, we have a big draw, our trade areas are um, capturing north of a million people. Um, and because of that, our, our business model is a little different. You know, our expectations are that these stores will do, you know, 10, 10x of what a uh, typical mall jeweler will do. You know, some of our locations are pushing you know, Apple store numbers, if you can believe that. So it's, it's definitely a mega store format. Um, <clears throat> we're heavily focused on uh, the bridal category. So about 85% of our business is engagement rings and wedding bands and, and loose diamonds. Um, you know, to get into kind of the origin story, the uh, business is, it's got a really cool story, actually. So the business was started uh, by an Israeli family that had a diamond cutting facility in Israel. Um, so they were manufacturing diamonds and wholesaling to other jewelers up and down the East Coast. So um, the business in America started as a, a wholesaler and that eventually converted to a direct-to-consumer retail model with the first store being in Charlotte and then it kind of grew from there. So um, fast forwarded to about 2015, we were six locations and the family sold to Blackstone. So Blackstone Group, uh, specifically their Tactical Opportunities Fund, acquired the business. And at the time, uh, there was not a real estate function internally. So I um, had the immense pleasure and honor of coming on board and starting the real estate function in essence from scratch. I mean, the guys were doing uh, some really spectacular work um, just without somebody full-time doing it. Um, so it was uh, a really pivotal, pivotal point for the company uh, to get the guidance of Blackstone on board. Um, and that fueled our growth. Um, we went from six stores to about 25 uh, through uh, 2016 through 2021. And uh, that's when we were sold to Signet. So Blackstone does what they do and uh, they grew the company and made a multiple on their investment. And uh, Signet acquired us in 2021. And that's been uh, a great couple of years so far. They've uh, really let us remain somewhat autonomous and also lean on them for uh, the best practices and um, synergies that you get from a larger company. So it's been uh, great with them and we're continuing to grow uh, at a pretty, pretty steady clip. We're 30 stores now uh, with another five in the pipeline for next year. That is a fascinating story. Thank you for taking us through all of that. I think everyone will be, you know, I think everyone learned a lot from that because I think a lot of that most people didn't know, even if they're familiar with Diamonds Direct. The so talk about to us about the real estate. You call it a mega store. How big is it, and where are you typically, you know, putting these locations? Where are they today? Yeah. So um, 
our footprint is typically about 6,000 square feet. And we typically locate uh, in freestanding locations that are proximate, if not in front of the dominant um, retail uh, luxury destination in a market. So historically for us, um, the kind of the first tranche of stores were in the Southeast. So in, um, by example, in Charlotte, we're across from South Park Mall. We're in the domain in Austin. We're uh, in front of Crabtree Mall in Raleigh, uh, so on and so forth. So we've tried to uh, replicate that model across the country. Um, it requires us to be extremely opportunistic. You can't just say, hey, I want to be at the Woodlands in Houston, and then magically there's a, a pad right out in front or across the street, um, as we'll talk about later. Right. <laughs> so I think that was great color. Our, so if I walk into a Diamonds Direct what versus some of the other national jewelry stores, what is the biggest difference I'm going to see when I walk into Diamonds Direct? Um, I think that that ultimately boils down to um, the customer experience. I think we have gone uh, to painstaking strides to make a better customer experience. And, and I say that in and I mean that in a number of ways. So if you think about buying an engagement ring, it's an extremely emotional purchase. And it's, for the average consumer, a very large purchase, if not one of the biggest purchases you're going to make at the time. Sure. Um, and it's very confusing. I don't know if you went through that process i totally did i was like trying to learn everything about i could i was i couldn't believe there was so much to a diamond it was mind-blowing yeah yeah so you got the cut and the color and the clarity and the size and all these things that it's a bit overwhelming right so i think the founders of our company recognize an opportunity to empower the customer to educate them to make them feel comfortable in a shopping environment and not uh, overwhelmed um, to come into a store knowing that, you know, we're going to fight to give you the best price in the market. Um, but another big component, I think, to our stores that set us apart is the inventory. So if you walk into a typical jeweler and you have a, a budget and, um, you know, a size of a stone in, in mind, for example, uh, historically, you know, maybe they only have a couple of options to show you, and then you have to perhaps wait a couple of days for them to get another item in stock. Uh, because we're so large and we own all of our inventory and we have such big stores, you can come in typically to our stores and um, we'll have limitless options, so to speak, for you to to look at, to touch and feel, which is such a critical component to buying something of this nature. Um, so I think that it, by having the options that are tangible and there, it empowers the customer um, to make that purchase and make it in person, then and there, um, knowing that they're getting a really good value 
um, you know, if they've shopped other places and typically they can see that we're uh, providing extraordinary value. And then it goes beyond the sale. So uh, one of the things I think is unique to us, you know, we offer 110% uh, trade-in value on your diamonds. So if you ever wanted to upgrade your wife's stone, so Chris, if you want to come to me in a, a year or two and get a four carat for your wife, um, <laughs> mm -hmm. if you had bought it from Diamonds Direct, we'll give you 110% of that value. And I think that really stands behind the product. That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that was really helpful on you, Diamonds Direct. Um, generally speaking, right now, what's the jewelry business? Just like by and large, whatever, like what's going on in jewelry? You know, it's a, it's a retail category. You see all these, whenever you see retail sales and reports go out, you know, I, I don't think they talk about jewelry enough. I think it's a pretty yeah. good indicator, actually. So what's going on in jewelry? So it's been an interesting couple of years. I think for us all coming out of COVID, um, we've seen uh, a wide array of things happen in, in the marketplace. But the jewelry business has been particularly interesting. And you know, I guess I'll, I'll start my response with what happened as a result of COVID. So discretionary spending changed. People did not go on their vacations or um, take that anniversary trip or, you know, they weren't spending, you know, hundreds of dollars a month on going out to eat. So we felt that that shift in consumer behavior and it translated into an enormous uh, lift in sales for us. Um, you go buy that tennis bracelet instead of going on the uh, anniversary trip, for example. So. Uh, we rode the coattails of that um, through 21 and 22. Uh, but another interesting thing happened with COVID. The things that lead to engagement were not occurring. Um, people were not going out on dates or having that um, first interaction at a bar or, or whatever the social event may have been. So. Uh, we felt a bit of a lag um, of those engagements coming out of COVID that kind of softened sales a little bit over the past, uh, you know, 18 months or so. So, um, you know, it's been kind of an up and down, but things are tracking on the way back up again, which is good. You know, a return to normalcy is what we're seeing and expecting into 2024. I hadn't heard that terminology before. Things that lead to engagement. That's a yeah, a, a good indicator, I'm sure, for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. They seem to be starting to happen now for sure, though. 100%. Yeah. All right. Let's take a, a break from all that. Let's get everyone to know Lewis a little bit more. Fire away. For you. you ready? Yeah. Do your worst. <laughs> all right. Question one. What is one skill you don't possess, but wish you did? One skill I don't possess, but wish that I did. Or wish you, wish it was a little, you were a little better at. Um, I think it's kind of implied for us all. I'd 
like to be a better person, a better husband and uh, better father, all those things. Um, but uh, selfishly in, in a bit silly, I'd like to be a, a faster bike rider. So. Um, I think you should tell everyone about that because you sent me some photos of when you were in Vegas and you were riding and you were going like, 45 miles an hour as you're taking pictures, which was fascinating. So tell everybody what about your bike riding. No, um, over the past couple of years, I've developed into a very solid middle of the pack bike rider, but it's, uh, it's a hobby and passion of mine. I ride, um, you know, last year I rode 7,500 miles. So it's, it's time consuming, but, um, I don't know. I, I'd really like to know what it would be like to be at the pointy end of a race and to, you know, get on a podium one day. But um, I think I have some genetic limitations that'll keep me from doing that. And I'm okay with that. But um, in general, I like the uh, the process goals around training and uh, you know the mental gymnastics of you know trying to figure out how to get stronger. And I think that that kind of parallels with professional life too. Um, and it helps me kind of process, uh, life. I mean, you don't get successful overnight. It's, uh, it's a process and I, I enjoy pushing the boundaries and, uh, seeing where it'll go next and trying to break through those things. So personally and professionally. Well, that, 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 that's incredible. So you got into, how did you fall into bike riding? It's one of those COVID hobbies. You know? Oh. Um, got a bike uh, during COVID and started riding and um, realized it was a good outlet for my energy and somewhat of a meditative space. Um, you know, I've never been fit my whole life. I've just kind of been a, uh, a lazy dude. So, um, I got bit by the bug and it's been great. That's really cool. The, uh, so how many, how many miles you're riding a week? Uh, last year that came out to about 140 a week. So 20 a day, 20 a day and riding 20 miles. That's how many hours? Hour, hourish. Yeah. Hourish. Wow. You changing the routes all the time? Yeah, unfortunately, in the winter, I do a lot of it in the garage on a trainer. But uh, yeah, you know my my father lives um, about thirty minutes from uh, Pisgah National Forest, so I get out into the wilderness from time to time and try to enjoy that. That's really cool. So, on a trainer indoors, what type of trainer? What is it? What what trainer are you on? So it's, it's just a contraption you hook your bike up to and, um, it's stationary, but it, um, gives you resistance. And, you know, I have an app called Zwift that you can plug into and it's like a virtual riding world. It kind of gamifies the, the boredom of being stuck in your garage is how that contraption, how similar or dissimilar is that to like Peloton? Um, well, it's the same concept. We have a Peloton. My my wife lives on that thing. Uh, she's much faster than me, by the way. So <laughs> that's part of my aspiration is just to keep up with her. Um, it's just the same concept. 
Same concept. Um, you ever go on the Peloton? Uh, every now and then. If I'm not at a hotel when I travel and I haven't. Not a fan? Uh, I like it. It's not bad. I just, I can't get comfortable on a Peloton. It's just, it doesn't fit me like my bicycle does. Got it. All right. Yeah. We've gone way too deep on this. We went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> it's fascinating. All right. Next question. Um, when is the last time you tried something for the first time? So I got an espresso machine for Christmas. So I, I, I guess oh. I have re recently made espresso. Are you into it now? I am. Um, I never thought I would be. You know, it was one of those things. My wife got me an espresso maker. I said, well, that's great. I don't drink espresso. <laughs> um, fast forward a, a couple weeks and I made a double latte with foam uh, about an hour ago for my mid-afternoon treat. So I'm not a toy person per se, but my dad, especially like in the electronics world, he told me he came up for Christmas. He lives in Florida. He came up and he said, I got you a little bit of a toy for Christmas. I said, okay. So he got me the, uh, the Ray-Ban, the smart sunglasses. Hmm. Not so familiar. Like, oh, I've been talking to people through my sunglasses. It takes videos, pictures. You can go on the internet through your sunglasses. It's fascinating. So I've been playing around with that. These are today, I'll never be as cool as Chris Ressa. Here we Look go. These are them. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they're really, and it's crazy. The setup was literally like three minutes. You put them on, all of a sudden you can call people on your sunglasses. That's wild. It is wild. What okay. do they think up next, Chris? I don't know. <laughs> What's I always think about like, if this is what's commercial, What's like the government got that's not commercial? If this is commercial, if I could do this, it's probably crazy. Yeah, we don't want to know. <laughs> we don't want to know. Uh, last question. What is one thing most people agree with, but you do not? Mm, it's like a hot take. Hot take. I'll probably make more enemies than friends, but I'm just going to go ahead and, and say it. Somebody needs to say it, Chris. I'm not 100% sold on pickleball. Oh! I think... I think 2024 may be the year we've reached peak pickleball now got it uh, i think it's a cool sport but um it seems like they're popping up these entertainment pickleball facilities all over the place you might have to abstain because i bet you have a dozen in your portfolio already but we we did one we tried one we're trying it out we got to get it open. okay a lot of these uh, there's so many concepts and when you dig in they all have like three open not a lot have like no one has like a hundred open yet. So you're as a landlord, you're taking some shots. So we're taking a shot on one. We think it'll be good, but it is definitely uh, to your point. Uh, there's some risk behind it. Yeah, I'm sure some of the concepts will be enduring. Um, but if you look at that kind of sports entertainment space, it's already pretty crowded. You know, you've got top golf and puttery and, you know, all these other things that people can go and entertain themselves with. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. And I know it's the fastest growing sport in America. Um, but I just want to remind you that in the 1990s, the fastest growing sport in America was rollerblading. Wow. Is that true? <laughs> and look what happened. Yeah. Wow. 
that is, I, you know, I'm mind blown right now. I'm mind <laughs> so maybe blown. If, if these don't work out, you and I can open up uh, rollerblading rinks. We'll backfill them. We'll bring it back. I'm like, you just put me on my heels. Wow. Okay. So, uh, all right. Well, thank you for uh, indulging. Uh, let's move on to uh, one of the last parts of the show. Let's move on to a story. So, Lewis, uh, we had the good fortune to work on a deal together, a store that's going to be opening soon. Why don't you tell us about Diamonds Direct in the Woodlands? Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, coming soon. Um, coming soon. And I don't think we can really talk about that deal until we talk about the side deal that occurred at ICSC. When we first started negotiating this, uh, Chris and I sat down and I said, Chris, we'll do this deal. But if we get it done, you got to have me on your podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you've held true to your word. And <laughs> this is the... Uh, the high watermark of my career now. So thank you. Um, I've made it. I've officially made it. Oh, that's uh, good. <laughs> uh, so Woodlands goes back a couple years before you and I had that uh, meeting at ICSC. Um, I think that was in 2021. Yep. Uh, the first ICSC back from COVID. Um, yeah. Just kind of crazy to think about now, but. Um, you know, we we started working on Woodlands as far back as like 2019. And I think this really speaks to um, how important timing is relative to opportunities in real estate. And most of the time, the two of them line up pretty well with our development goals. And Woodlands did not, uh, surprisingly. But um, Diamonds Direct has a a big presence in Texas. You know, we're in Austin. We've got, you know, two in Dallas, two in Houston, uh, in San Antonio. So we love Texas. People spend money like it's a professional sport there, which yeah. translates to a lot of uh, big shiny diamonds going out the door for us. So um, it's always been an intent focus for us to build out uh, the Texas market. And we had a very successful opening in Houston by the Galleria um, that exceeded everybody's expectations. Um, so I teed up another deal in uh, Baybrook by Baybrook Mall with Brookfield. And, um, you know, we were trying to crack the woodlands. And I had back in 2018 this amazing site. I said, guys, this is, if we ever want to do woodlands, here it is. Oh, no, no, we're not ready for it, um, but we'll we'll get back to you. And, you know, that deal came and went. Um, so fast forward to, you know, 2019, Lewis, where's the real estate? Well, I don't have it anymore. 2020, where is it? Um, I don't have it. Um, so got into a bit of a scramble because we really needed to make our commitment for our third in Houston. It's a huge market. Um, you know, over 6 million people. And uh, we've kind of exhausted all the opportunities and validated everything that we could and nothing just made sense in and around the Woodlands Mall. And then we found this, uh, this shopping center, Woodridge, that fronts the interstate. Um, and I saw it and I said, you know, 
that might work. It has the exposure. It's got great visibility. Um, it's real close to the mall. Um, and at the time we contacted that property owner, um, Crow Holdings, I believe. Yep. And went back and forth with them. Couldn't really figure anything out. And in the middle of that conversation, they came back and said, we're selling the shopping center. Great. We'll never get anything done now, right? Um, <laughs> we're selling it to DLC. And I think this is the classic story of, um, you know, the connections and the relationship business that we're in. Um, yep. You and I had met a couple of years prior, I think just a random connection at ICSC. Yep. And, uh, you know, so I got the news that DLC was under contract and I said, you know what? Call Chris. <laughs> We're going to make a deal. And I gave you a call and I said, Chris, how would you like to have instant added NOI to your new shopping center? Because I want to be there. Carve me out a pad. And uh, we got right to work, right? We, we got right to work. Yeah. We met at this show and uh, we started moving things. And uh, we closed on the shopping center. And to your point, shortly after closing, we had NOI that wasn't there prior, which was obviously really uh, amazing. And I think, you know, I learned a lot in the process because, you know, there's, we hadn't done a Diamonds Direct deal. I learned a lot about your guys' company, uh, how you guys look at real estate. And uh, it was super educational. And I think we got to a deal that uh, everyone, uh, thought worked and it's going to be a stellar location. And, you know, I, I love the real estate. And one of the reasons that we were interested in the property is because, you know, it's like, I don't know, 3000 linear feet fronting the actual interstate across yeah. from the, you know, the woodlands, which is just, you know, pretty irreplaceable dirt in my opinion. And, uh, you know, that creates opportunities like Diamonds Direct. So uh, super excited. It was great to work with you. It was uh, really interesting. I, I, I didn't know that the backstory of the 2018 and that that you had a deal that went away. Who was in that location now? Um, Chase Bank ultimately acquired the property that we had initially looked at, but we just weren't ready to commit to the market. Um, you know, Chase is very active um, all over the country right now. And I often back into them um, when hunting for real estate. Got it. You guys are fishing in the same waters. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But it all worked out for the better. I think we have a, a phenomenal location. The, the visibility to the interstate is unmatched. And when you're a regional uh, player like us, uh, having that billboard presence, I think, is uh, one of the most important attributes you can look for in real estate. So we're really excited about that one. It was, um, you know, it wasn't easy. It never is. But never you know, creating, creating a pad where there isn't one um, had its set of challenges, right? And you guys yeah. are doing a, a ton of work and moving a, a lot of things around to make that happen. So. Um, yep. Appreciate the creativity on your end as well. Thanks. Well, uh, it was, uh, it's been great. Can't wait to see it when it opens. And now we have this unbelievable 
annual sushi event that we go to, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. All right, Lewis, it is Friday. Let's go to the last part of the show called Retail Wisdom. I got three questions for you. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right, question one. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Um, not a specific retailer, but a concept. Um, well, let me back up and say I, I asked my wife this question, and I think her response merited um, bringing it up. But she said the Nature Company, and I thought that that was a really good one. Um, yeah. I had forgotten about them. But my personal one is more of a concept, and that's the, the pharmacy with the lunch counter. It, I have such fond memories as a kid of going and eating lunch at a lunch counter. And um, it's a concept that all but disappeared. And I think it's it's just ironic because everything's turned so experiential and you see, you know, retailers bringing in a food component to their concept. And um, I just wish that would come back, but probably won't. What was old will once again be new. You watch. Yeah. Rollerblading. Rollerblading. <laughs> that is going to stick with me. Uh, you might see that in a LinkedIn post. I might have to quote you. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is the last item? Question two. What is the last item over $20 you bought in a store? Well, we just got out of Christmas. So the the last purchase that I think is worth talking about is I got my wife a pebble ice maker. So she, she would go to Chick-fil-A and buy bags of their ice to have oh at the house, you know, the little tiny pieces yeah. of ice and GE makes a pebble ice maker. So now we have one in our garage and that was the, the last memorable purchase is it is it manual or did you have to hook it up to like your water it comes with a little side reservoir that you fill up and it makes the ice from that and as the ice melts it recirculates and makes more ice it's it's a phenomenal thing if you like pebble ice go get one got it and last question if you and i were shopping at target and i lost you what aisle would I find you in? Um, I think I'd be in the toy section. Um, not for me personally, but for my kids. And as you know, my son is a avid collector of sports cards right now. So I'd probably be dashing over there trying to find a, a pack of football cards or soccer cards or something like that. Yeah, they have uh, they have boxes and packs at Target. So. Well, Lewis, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, I have to now look into a pebble ice maker. <laughs> what have I done? Oh, man. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at Retail Retold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, 
Don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.